You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the trade deadline, break down all the moves for the Jets, the cost. We're going to take a look at the trade deadline around the rest of the league and the impact and how the Jets stack up. And of course, we're going to talk about the most recent games and the heating up of Patrick Lining. Okay, Kyle, segment number one, trade deadline. I was pleasantly, actually not pleasantly, which I was, but I was completely surprised with the amount of moves that Kevin Sheveldayoff was pulling off. We have never seen this from the Winnipeg Jets since they've been back. Well, no, exactly. And the thing is, we've hardly seen this from any team on a trade deadline. I don't remember the last time I saw a team with with six or even seven trades. I think that seventh one coming in well after the fact. Um, I don't think I've ever really seen that from any team in one day. So it's just a weird situation here. Um, for the Winnipeg Jets, especially given Kevin Sheveldayoff's history. Um, so lots to talk about, lots to write about. Um, it's definitely an interesting time here being a Jets fan. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun to be a part of. So let's break down. Do you want to start with the big trade or some of the smaller ones? Well, let's start big and go from there. All right, so the big trade, Jets made it in the morning. I was uh, at work, and I was still live on the radio, so I was able to kind of break the news minutes after it happened. The Winnipeg Jets adding... Kevin Hayes from the New York Rangers for Brendan Lemieux, a first-round pick, and a potential conditional fourth-round pick. So we talked about in our preview shows that the Jets should look at a player like Kevin Hayes, and he was one that we both talked about really liking, really wanting him in the lineup. So after it's happened, are we still happy with that? Are you still liking the value that the Jets got? Well, I am. Um, The interesting thing is, uh, when we all started talking about the trade deadline nearly a month ago, the Winnipeg Jets were supposedly in on a guy like Kevin Hayes. And uh, I wrote an article, um, I believe it was over a month ago now, about Kevin Hayes being a guy that would fit well with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, He's a pass-first type player. He's a good, solid centerman, can easily run that second line, especially if playing with a guy like Patrick Leineg, Kyle Connor, can set them up with the puck. Seemed like a great fit. After that, the talk kind of turned to Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne. And that's essentially all we heard about for the last week, especially leading up to the trade deadline with Pierre Dorian being in Winnipeg for nearly a week watching Moose and Jets games. That's all we heard about. So it was a little bit surprising seeing that it was actually Hayes and not Stone being the one traded, although all along we kind of guessed it was going to be Hayes. So just kind of a weird circle of events Um, for the Winnipeg Jets. But yeah, as far as your questions go, I think it was a great deal. He's going to fit great on that second line. Um, As far as what we gave up, you could argue a first-round pick is too much for a rental player. Um, As far as Brendan Lemieux goes, he's replaceable in the lineup. Um, And he's been playing way better than he probably should have been. His goal totals are inflated because of his shooting percentage. So I think it's a great time to sell high on a guy like Brendan Lemieux. I definitely think that based on some of the other moves I saw, Wayne Simmons getting Ryan Hartman in a fourth, there were some of the moves I felt we paid quite a bit for Kevin Hayes, but again, it really depends on how well he can fit in with this lineup. I think Brendan Lemieux, like you said, is definitely replaceable, a fourth-line guy, maybe a third-liner like is his ceiling, and we're automatically adding a second-line center. Uh, we talked about, I've talked about the need for a center. You'd kind of said maybe we could get away with a wing. I think that just creates a lot more depth. 
I think the Jets' lines actually looked not too bad in the last game, just with how deep they were, save for the last couple of minutes. But again, that's the kind of a topic we're going to save for the last segment of the show and how everybody's fitting in. So I really like Kevin Hayes. I was really hoping uh, he was the player we were going to get. Just because you'd have to pay so much for Stone, I really feel Columbus paid a ton for Matt Duchesne seeing a lot of the other trades, and we're going to get into kind of some of those other moves a little bit later. Uh, So let's move on now. Uh, Next trade up, do we want to go in kind of order that they came in, or do we want to go with the most value given up? Yeah, let's go in order. Let's work along the day. All right, so that was the first trade that came in, and correct me if I'm wrong, the next trade that came in was Matt Hendricks, correct? Or was it um, Bolu and Kislovich? Because Kislovich and Bolu came in very close together, and I only heard about Lindholm and Broadhurst kind of at the end. And yeah, so I think it was kind of the next grouping, and that's where it's interesting because it wasn't really spaced out during the day. It was the one at the beginning, several near the middle, and then a bunch that trickled in all well after the deadline. So which is really interesting as a fan. It was funny because the Matt Hendricks trade broke for me. I heard about that one on TSN. I was driving home from work and TSN 1290, I was listening in my car. And uh, I think it was Michael Remus. He said, breaking news, the Winnipeg Jets have just acquired Matt Hendricks. And I said, come on, like, are you, are you kidding me? And that's exactly what Hustler said, too. He just kind of laughed. He's like, OK, good one. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. This is a verified. And he's like, come on, check mark beside the name. And they're like, yeah, this is verified account. I, I forget who it was, but a verified trade. I couldn't believe it. I knew Twitter was going to be blowing up with this. Matt Hendricks coming back to the Jets. I when when talking about it, I don't hate it. We've both talked about Matt Hendricks at length here on the podcast we feel that there is space for him in the room not space for him on the ice I'm still definitely of that mindset because I don't think his skills have improved any no I totally agree I mean it's only getting worse he was a healthy scratch in Minnesota and most people would say the Winnipeg Jets are better than Minnesota and yeah he was hurt for a little bit earlier this season but if you can't even crack the lineup in Minnesota you're there's no way you should be cracking the lineup in Winnipeg and I think we both agree on that. I think most Jets fans agree with that. Uh, maybe there's a few guys out there that think he still has some value as a fourth liner. Regardless, I think that is a good deal, especially because if you are trading a guy like Nick Patan, which we'll maybe get to a little bit later on, that's a guy leaving the room, right? So you got to bring a guy into the room. So you're doing that in Matt Hendricks. I mean, you're doing that in Lindholm as well. But you're doing that in Hendricks so that changes the press box role from a from a young guy who's had difficulty cracking the lineup. You you, you got to think Patan's attitude hasn't been the greatest, right? No. He, he well, can't he... crack the lineup. He's still young. There's so much to do about him. And now Matt Hadden, Hendricks comes in. He's just there to have a good time, just hang out with the guys, and he's content and, and he's happy. But he's there it's to work total... hard too. Well, no, exactly, but it's a total shift in mentality, specifically in the press box role. So if the Jets already had had in the mindset they're trading Nick Patan, which it sounds like it was a request from Patan and his agent to be traded, then it makes sense to bring in a guy like Hendricks to kind of flip that um, culture, specifically in the press box. Exactly, because Appleton can then go down to the Manitoba Moose, and in my opinion, if there's a call-up and you need somebody to go in, either give Lindholm a shot or give Appleton a shot, but then you've got a guy like Hendricks who's in the press box practicing with you guys on a daily basis. It doesn't matter if he gets in the lineup or not. He's just there for that team morale. And if the Winnipeg Jets, 
this season, there's been discussion that the Jets aren't playing hard enough or something's missing or something's not quite right. Maybe that's part of it. There, maybe there's something off between the ears with some of these guys, and maybe Matt Hendricks is that solution. Somebody worded it or phrased it more like, he's a coach on the ice, or he's a coach on the ice in practice, if that kind of makes sense. And so if he fills that role, great. And I know it's kind of the same in the workplace. Look at it like this. And we were actually kind of talking about this at work today about what's the cost of good morale in the room or in the office or in the workplace or wherever you are. Because sometimes when somebody maybe quits or leaves, you think, oh, do we even need to really replace that person? Everybody else can just kind of take on their responsibilities. Well, now everybody starts to get frustrated. Everybody's having to do more work. Things are different. Things are changed. Everybody starts to grumble and then everything just kind of goes downhill. But sometimes if you can bring somebody else in who's high energy, can kind of take some of those responsibilities away. I don't know. I've seen that personally firsthand just in the workplace. I would imagine that's got to translate to a locker room. Well, I totally agree with you. And I think we're all in agreement here. Matt Hendricks brings something to the table. He has to or else you wouldn't trade for him, right? And obviously it's going to help that leadership. The Jets are one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest, I believe, without Bufflin in the lineup because he's been hurt. I think the Winnipeg Jets are the youngest team right now. So you bring in a guy like that for the leadership veteran presence, that is a real thing. I just don't think Hendricks should be playing, and I think we're in agreement and most fans are in agreement that Hendricks should not be on the ice during a game down the stretch. I think most fans probably are. I think I think the coaching staff's kind of in agreement. I think everybody's kind of on the same page here. I think the big thing is that we've seen him before, so that we know he brings chemistry. Because when you get a veteran player, you don't necessarily know how they're going to gel with the current roster. The advantage of this move is that we know he gels with this roster, and so then that's already built in, which makes him even more valuable opposed to just getting some generic veteran player who has that quality about him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally agree with you. And I think that was the thing. Um, I remember they talked about last year with Stastny. Some of the guys in the room had known Stastny uh, for a long time, knew what kind of a person he was off the ice, knew how he would fit, or were friends with him. And I think that went a long way to acquiring him um, as well. Maybe it had to do with Kevin Hayes um, as well. You, you never know. But I know Chevy has talked about that aspect that you don't necessarily see it, but you have to talk to guys that have either played with this guy, grew up with that guy, a coach that coached the guy. What is that guy like? What's he like in the locker room? There's so much more that goes into it than just what does he do specifically on the ice. And that's what we're seeing here in Matt Hendricks, exactly like you said. And especially at the NHL level where the difference in skill and difference in ability is sometimes very minimal, the difference between one and another. And so when it comes down to fit, when it comes down to personality, preference, that's a big thing, and I've seen that in junior hockey. Guys who can fit into a dressing room or guys who are just a little bit different and just don't quite click with the room, and there's just something a little bit off, and then sometimes you can have problems with that. So we've talked a lot about Matt Hendricks. Uh, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go, uh, I guess, Bolia and Kizlovich, they kind of came in together. Yeah, let's go with those depth defensemen. So Bolio coming in, or, okay, how do you say it? Bolio? Because I know people around here who are pronounce it Bolio, but they are not French. Uh, I've heard Beaulieu, Beaulieu, uh, Beaulieu. I've heard all sorts. How do you say it? So the funny thing is, if you check out JetsNation.ca, a great little article Art uh, put up the other day, exactly that. How do you pronounce it? Everybody was going with their own pronunciations, that sort of thing. Um, the expert apparently is Rick Ralph, who uh, actually knows, um, I'm going to say Beaulieu, because that's what, 
um, Rick Ralph says, he knows him back from his junior days. Apparently, he asks for it to be pronounced bowl you. Bowl you. Bowl you. Bowl you. Bowl you. I can live with that. Yeah, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it. That's how I think we should be pronouncing it, and let's uh, let's go with that. Nathan Bolu, done. Yep. I okay. I saw him in the game on Tuesday. I was there in the building, saw him first down. Basically, felt like a scout uh, watching uh, him and Hayes. I thought he looked not bad. Uh, his skating didn't blow me away. There's really nothing of his game that blew me away, but it was all just pretty standard, and he was okay. Yeah, and I think that's all we really need from him right now. Um, he was actually quite good back in his Montreal days. I remember watching him thinking, this guy's not too bad. Uh, going um, away from Montreal, and a lot of his stats kind of fell with that, um, playing on a not very good team. So you don't really know what's going to happen. And you see that all the time, guys having bad seasons because they're on bad teams. Sometimes a change of pace going to a good team can flip a lot of their stats around. I think the Jets are hoping they can do that with Bolu. And I think kind of the same thing with Kizlovich, just kind of a depth guy. Maybe he'll slot in here over the next little while, depending on how these injuries play out. But Kizlovich, apparently, uh, Shoveldayoff was saying he was a guy that he was already targeting before this season even started. Yeah, so he came from the KHL, I believe, the last offseason. Never played in the NHL before. Um, had tons of experience in the KHL. I think around eight seasons in the KHL. Um, so he's definitely a, a kind of a veteran guy, even though he's a rookie to the NHL or so- sophomore, I guess. Um, but yeah, if it's a guy you're targeting last offseason, couldn't get him. If you can get him at the trade deadline, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. The important thing for the Jets is they didn't pay pretty much anything to get these guys. It was late-round picks. It wasn't much in return, and if one of them pans out or one of them really um, works out well, I think it's a definite win for Shovel Day Off. Well, look at Joe Morrow last year. We didn't pay much for him at the deadline. We got him. He came in. He played not bad, filled that depth spot, and then this year gets hurt, but we were able to re-sign him because we liked what we saw in that short sample, and who knows what's going to happen with these guys. Maybe Parr Lindholm all of a sudden turns into a decent pickup for the Winnipeg Jets, gets a little bit more ice time kind of in a fourth line. Maybe he does click here in Winnipeg. I'd like to see him get a chance. That was the one that kind of came later on in the day. I didn't hear about until a little bit later. Uh, What do you think of that? Kind of a straight-across move. The free Patan movement kind of gets their wish. Patan gets his wish getting out of Winnipeg. I don't hate it. No, I don't either, and it's funny, and like I mentioned earlier, um, rumors had it that Patan and his agent asked Chevy um, to trade him, essentially, and, and we all know why, right? He hasn't been in the lineup for however long over the last three, four seasons. It, it is what it is. Um, so Chevy kind of does that as a favor. Um, it's always interesting, those types of deals. We see some of those go on. A lot of times you don't get much in return, but the, the Jets get back in an NHL or borderline NHL-caliber player, um, in, in Lindholm. So it's going to be an interesting look to see if he slots into the lineup at all, um, if he's just going to sit in the press box, or w- what the deal is with him. Uh, regardless, he's on an expiring deal, so really no no need for the Jets to keep him going forward. It maybe was just a, a throw-in, say, here, have this guy from our team. Away goes Patan. Uh, the thing for Patan is that he's not even playing um, in Toronto as well, so he's sitting in the press box there too. So it's going to be interesting to see if he actually gets in the lineup if he gets sent down, or what his fate will be um, in the future, specifically going into the playoffs and potentially next year as well. I, I feel bad for Patan when you get traded from a really good team and you that you can't quite make to another really good team that you can't quite make. It feels like it's not really helping him at all if he's not getting in the lineup. Why wouldn't you trade him to a lousy team like Ottawa? 
I mean, you could, but I mean, that's. I guess he has to get traded. He got his wish, right? I guess. Send him away, and it is what it is. I I mean, you always hope for those fresh starts could come up with something, and you never know. It it might work out, it might not, but at least it's no longer the Winnipeg Jets issue going forward. Okay, last deal. Alex Broadhurst. I only heard about this much later, uh, well after the trade deadline. This was kind of like a throw-in. Future considerations, what does that even mean? But Alex Broadhurst coming to the Jets from Columbus. Uh, Thoughts? I don't really understand this one in my opinion. Like, I don't have many. I, I mean, yeah, I, I honestly don't even know what to say about this one. Like, like why? What are those future considerations? Is it cash? Is it going to be a, a prospect down the road? Why do we want this guy? Is it a pure depth move? I mean, it has to be. But, yeah, what's the point, Chevy? Um, like, I, I get it. don't know. Like, I get it if he comes to the Moose. Maybe to bolster the depth of the moose. He's not young. I think he's like 27 or 28. I looked up his stats. Yes. Like, he's not young. He's never put up amazing points. He had, what, two call-ups games with Columbus? It's so r- random. And especially because he's staying on his AHL team. So we now have this guy's rights. He's playing in the AHL with Columbus's farm team. But we have his rights. So I guess if the Jets are just super desperate, we can call him up well i'm wondering so chevy knows more than we do right well yeah obviously there's a reason here these depth defensemen moves i don't think we would have brought in both of those depth defensemen if morrissey's not hurt if morrissey is fully healthy in the lineup we don't bring in both those guys we may be bringing one of them right okay sure is there a player on the winnipeg jets that is battling an injury that might be going down out of the lineup with a setback yeah but you're not gonna you're not gonna call up that yeah, but you're not going to call up Broadhurst. He's not. He's a forward. No, no, he's a f- no you're not. But, like, but who are you going to call up from the Moose? Let's say one or two players just go down. You call up some players from the Moose. I mean, the Moose can call up players, but now they could also ship in a guy like that. That's my only thought. But other I'm, than that, I mean, but there's the Moose have called people up from like other leagues before, so there's no point. Appleton, like, that's why Lindholm, really Hendricks. Appleton, Lindholm, Hendricks. That's, there's three guys. Like I really hope if the Jets are losing three of their forwards out of their lineup, and Lindholm, Hendricks, and Appleton all have to go in, like that's pretty rough. Like I don't see Broadhurst. Uh, yeah, maybe coming over to no, the Moose. Like, like I'm saying, he's not going to go to the Jets. He's going to go to the Moose in that case because the Moose would send a couple players up, maybe, and then who goes to the Moose? That, that's the only thing. I really want to know what these future considerations are. It, it might actually well, be yeah. cash because usually if it's a pick or maybe. If it might be one of those cases where at the end of the season, if we never actually bring him over, maybe we don't really have to give them much at all. Right. Maybe we don't give them anything. <laughs> I mean, we're spending way too much time talking about a trade that might never actually happen, like you just well, said. Yeah. So, it's, it's one of the most confusing things for me. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, other than that, everything kind of makes sense. Um, and as far as valuation goes, I don't think the Jets really overpaid for anything. We're talking about late round picks. We're talking about press box players. Uh, Lemieux is now a press box player or was a press box player for the last couple of games um, with Ehlers coming back. So you really didn't give up much of anything. You kept your entire lineup intact and you added a guy like Kevin Hayes and you added depth with a guy like um, potentially Hendricks Lindholm. So I think it's a great day for the Jets because you didn't lose any roster players and you gained some. 
Okay, so we went at length on the Winnipeg Jets and the trade deadline, and that's really what this podcast was going to be all about. And so the Jets did miss out on Mark Stone, and that's one that I think we should discuss. Uh, Matt Duchesne going before the trade deadline, Wayne Simmons, Mikhail Granlund, Kevin Fiala on the move, Ryan Zingle. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of those pieces? Maybe let's start with Stone because he's the big one everybody was talking about. Yeah, so I wrote an article. It's actually on JetsNation.ca this morning. Uh, talking about, well, I think it's actually titled What the Heck Happened with Mark Stone? And the reason why I put that is it seemed like a deal was guaranteed to get done between the Senators and Jets, right? They were in each other's buildings. They had meetings. The Jets were the perfect suitor for Ottawa. They had assets to give up, future assets. Everything you needed for a deal, Mark Stone's from Winnipeg. Ottawa needed to sell him. Like, it literally was the perfect storm for Stone to get traded to the Jets. Now, it, it was. So the question then becomes, Are the, were the Jets just not prepared to pay the amount of money that Stone wanted in a re-signing situation? That's, that is very possible. Um, so my thought is there's two things here. So the Jets realized they maybe couldn't pay to have Stone re-signed, and therefore they didn't want to pay as much to get him purely as a rental player. So their price was their price, and they weren't budging from that um, because obviously they would have paid a little bit more if they knew they could re-sign them. Uh, the other thing that happened specifically on trade deadline day, we saw the Senators wait a long time to trade Stone. The Jets couldn't afford to wait to trade for Stone later on in the day. They needed to get the big pieces done first and then fill in all those other gaps around them. And that's why you saw that Kevin Hayes was the first deal done, and then you deal around it because you don't want to give up assets you didn't want to give up Patan. You don't want to give up picks. And then all of a sudden, um, Ottawa calls, oh, we'll take Patan in that stone deal. Well, no, we actually already traded him to Toronto. That is the absolute worst case for Shevel Dayoff, right? Yeah, so absolutely. The Jets were stuck because they needed to react early, and the Senators were the opposite. They said, well, we're just going to bide our time. We're going to wait. Somebody's going to get desperate. They're going to slip up and offer too much, and then they're going to pounce on that deal. And it just didn't work out between the two clubs. That's, in my opinion, what happened. Do you think Ottawa got their full value for Mark Stone? I feel they got well, a huge haul for Matt Duchesne, and they didn't get enough for Mark Stone. Or maybe no, I'm just I, seeing I totally, it wrong. I totally agree with you, especially considering Stone um, re-upped for an extension right away. And, I mean, Brandstrom is a phenomenal player. Um, he's going to be a very good player. You could argue he's more valuable than a first-round pick because the Winnipeg Jets' first-round pick is going to be later than what um, Brandstrom was picked. I think he was 15th or 17th overall. Yeah, I think 17th. Um, so the Jets, the Jets pick would be worse than that anyway. So you get a guaranteed player with a great trajectory, plus you get a second-round pick. You can maybe say, could you have got Brandstrom and a first? Possible. But you settle with Brandstrom because, like I said, he's already been picked. You already know his trajectory. He's going to be a great player. And then with a second-round pick as well. That being said, you probably could have got a little bit more um, rumors had the Jets in with potentially Rozovic, Stanley, and a first. Is that more? You could argue yes, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it really all depends on how high you are on Eric Brandstrom. And so I don't know tons about him, but from what I've heard, he is amazing. And so then maybe this is a really good move for Ottawa, having a known commodity with a high projected uh, ceiling. And so then maybe that is a smarter play, plus getting a second, plus getting a roster player in Lindbo uh, Lindbaum. He's not really much of an ad. I looked up his stats, mid-20s. He, he, it seems like he's kind of peaked as kind of like that third line, not really much... Not a ton of value for Lindblom, in my opinion. 
Yeah, so I think uh, the Senators did all right with that one. Um, it, I mean, it is what it is, right? Vegas paid it right at the end of the trade deadline. Um, they are ones to get stoned. Obviously, that's, that's what the Senators like the most out of all the offers, right? Nine and a half you million. You that. Nine and a half million seemed like a lot for Stone, or no? I don't think the Jets could afford that. No, and that's the issue. If Stone was really pushing for that nine and a half to like double digit mark, I don't know if the Jets could have afforded it. Then you'd, you'd for sure have to see one or two Jets roster players um, leave in the offseason to make that work. Yeah, that's a huge overhaul. And so I don't mind it. Seeing the contract he signed, seeing what was given up, I don't mind not getting Stone. Considering we got Hayes and only gave up really like a first and a fringe player, to not have to give up a core prospect and not have to give up like all of that and then have to give up somebody else just to get Stone. Yes, Stone is way better than Kevin Hayes, but I just think that's way too much for the right now for Mark Stone. And so now when we take a look at the other moves Ottawa made, somebody I remember hearing, they were saying how it's going to be, it's tough to be an Ottawa fan. I kind of disagree. Now it seems like Ottawa is doing a rebuild properly. Because if you re-sign Stone and Duchesne, that gives you good players for the here and now, kind of almost as if they're going to be too old by the time you really want to properly have your young players hitting their prime. And they're going to be on poor contracts at the end of the deal, at the end of their deals when your prime players are getting into their prime. And so I like yeah, Ottawa. I, I would agree with that. I like Ottawa selling those guys now. So you sell yeah, those I, guys. I totally agree. Because like if you, especially if you're not, and I don't even think they should have resigned some of those players. Because look, now you've got an elite young defenseman in Brandstrom. If he is that elite as everybody says, they've got Shabbat, they've got Colin White, they've got Brady Kachuk, and now they've got a second round pick, another first round pick from the Matt Duchesne trade, some other prospects coming in. Now they can really build something, and then they can sign free agents and other players accordingly around this. Now that they've got kind of those high priced older guys out of there. Yeah, and the only kind of big red X going on is their first round pick that they're losing to Colorado. Um, that's kind of the the, the the defense of people hating on Ottawa. I mean, there there's no excuse to losing the first overall pick should they get it, right? That's the big issue here because if you get a guy um, like Jack Hughes coming in, that transforms your roster instantly rather than picking midway through the first round, which is what they got back in the Duchesne trade. Right. They misplayed that a couple of years ago. And so now they're just trying to fix that mistake. Yep, totally agree. So the, it is what it is for the Senators. I thought they did okay. Um, as far as some other trades going on, uh, the West loaded up completely. Um, we talked about Vegas getting stone. Nashville loaded up, um, brought in a couple players. Um, Wayne Simmons, Mikhail yeah, Granlund. Coming in, the whole division got a lot tougher, specifically Nashville and specifically Vegas. And uh, San Jose as well has gotten better. Those are kind of the top teams that you're going to have to beat if you're Winnipeg. I think all three of those teams are scary to play in the first, second, third rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, things did not get any easier for the Winnipeg Jets, especially the way they're trending lately. And that's what we're going to get to in our final segment. All right, so in the final segment, Winnipeg Jets on a little bit of a skid lately. You take a look at over their last five, their last ten games. They are not looking good right now. Something seems to be off. I see all sorts of people post online, post on Twitter, super paranoid, not impressed. What are your thoughts here over this last few weeks? And maybe looking since the guys have come over, what's going to change here? Well, the couple things I hope that change, and I think the real issue with Winnipeg Jets for the last 
number of games, like you said, 10, 15 games. I think one of the biggest issues is the defensive zone turnovers. They've been absolutely terrible at trying to get out of their own end. Once they get out, they're half decent. The issue for the Jets is they can't get out of their end. They're, they're turning the puck over, and they just get hemmed in for so long, and they allow goals against. And I think that's the biggest issue. You can see that it's evident that Bufflin's not in the lineup. Um, Bufflin generally really good at getting out of his own end. Um, Ehlers also really good at getting out, out of his own end. So once those guys are back, Ehlers back already. Once Bufflin comes back, now you're down Morrissey. So you got a subpar defensive group that just struggles to get the puck out, and I think that's the biggest issue right now facing the Jets. Yeah, watching the game the other night, the outlet passes didn't seem super crisp. Some of them were hitting, some of them not so much. I like Hayes. I think he was maybe a little bit nervous in his first game, not pulling the trigger when he could have. He made a couple of nice plays. I think he fits in. I think his addition is huge. Uh, and obviously, the little Connor Rozovic line was out there at the end of the game. They didn't have the best game, and Maurice kind of mentioned it, but... The top line looks good with Line A. They're finally scoring. Line A's got four goals in three games. That is awesome to see. It's just now, can everybody else pick it up as well? Niku looked so impressive the other night. His skating, I see, I saw him in person. It's unreal. Some of the moves he's making, the cuts, the turns, the spins, he's so shifty, so impressive. For the Winnipeg Jets, I'm hoping that some of these trades can really uh, boost this team. Now a couple of days to settle in. Hayes and Bolu can kind of fit in. The other guys can maybe get a little bit of practice time in. Maybe they'll get a chance, Lindholm, or who knows, maybe even Hendricks. But I don't know who I'd want to take out of the lineup at this point. Maybe Roslovic for Lindholm just to give him a chance on that line and see. But I think it's a good problem to have. I think the Jets still have some room to get better. Well, and the thing you mentioned about the lines is the Winnipeg Jets are going to be playing around a little bit. Uh, rumors had it today at practice. Uh, Cop was down centering the fourth line. Brian Little was up on that third line with uh, Lowry and Tanev on the wing. So we already see that shift there where Little is to the wing, kind of like what we saw last year during the playoffs, and then Cop centering uh, the fourth line just for a totally different look. So I think we're going to see a lot of shifting in the next couple of weeks to kind of get ready for the playoff run and find the optimal line combinations. Uh, as far as Patrick Laine goes, I find it funny the other day, uh, last game, getting credited for the goal that just bounced off his shin. If you, you remember the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Uh, ben Chirot made a nice move, made a rush to the center of the ice, shot it on net, bounced off Laine in the net. It's funny that when you're scoring, you get the bounces. Because Patrick Laine could not buy a bounce with anything for the last two months. And yet now he's scoring off of his shin. He's scoring off of... Any, anything and everything, it seems like. Why couldn't have a bounce like that happened in the middle of his scoring drought? It's just funny to me how things work out in the NHL. The puck luck, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun, the tinkering. I always like the slight adjustments to the lines, seeing new combinations, see if we can get something that works. I'm uh, I'm confident still heading into the final part of the season that the Jets are still contenders. I am not writing them off yet. No, I totally agree. I mean, the issue is if you don't win the division, things get a lot tougher. Um, St. Louis is absolutely surging right now. So if you finish all of a sudden second or third, you're playing an absolutely dominant St. Louis team in the first round of the playoffs, and then you're meeting Nashville in the second round. It just gets so tough from there. So I think you for sure want to win the division. It's going to be an important um, thing down the stretch for Winnipeg to win the division because that first round could be really tough. 
I think it's going to be tough no matter what if you want to make it to the Cup Cup Final because whoever you meet in the West Final, whoever you meet in the Central Division Final, you're going to be... You're going to be facing tough competition no matter what. You got to play good hockey when it matters. That's what it's going to come down to. Do you want to add anything, Kyle? No, I would agree with that. And I say you want to be finishing first because you want an easier first round. But like you said, you're going to have to beat all those teams anyways. So does it really matter if the first round's easy or not? Well, not really, because you're going to have to win four of them to win the cup. So either way, like you said, you're going to be in tough, and you just hope you're playing your best hockey um, come April, May, and June. Exactly. Well, that does it for the Jets Nation podcast today. If you have anything you want us to talk about, hit us up at Jets and Podcast on Twitter. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.